everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Dare I say a bonus episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Thank you for being here. We're a place all about friend, uh, friends, games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava. That's me. Friends Joe, first. That's right. Friends first. Kelsey Lewin, welcome. Hello. Thank you for being here. And also joined by the madman himself, Howlin' Kyle Hilliard. I'm the games. He's the games part. Yeah, Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey's getting better, I think, because I don't know how you have time for us in your schedule, so thanks for being here. Um, we wanted to come to you. Uh, we wanted to invade your ears and eyes in a tasteful way uh, to talk about a couple showcases in particular, because if you're not glued into the scene, the hip, cool gaming scene, um, Summer Game Fest, as Jeff Keighley would beg of us to call it, is happening right now. So there's so much news to cover, uh, so many press conferences, a lot to unpack, and there's just too much to pack into one basic episode, normal, boring episode of the Min Max Show podcast. That's why we decided to, to rip off this uh, bonus one. Uh, we pulled the emergency alarm. So we will be back later this week for a regular episode of the Min Max Show podcast. And in that episode, we'll be talking to Sarah, Janet, and Leo, because they're actually out in L.A. Uh, as of the time of this recording, they're at Super Nintendo World. Uh, thanks to your support on Patreon for shipping them out there and they're making a whole travelogue to document their entire process you can check out uh, min max's youtube channel to learn what it's like to actually go to summer games fest and super nintendo world and all that fun stuff um so in this discussion on this bonus episode we're talking about the xbox games showcase we're talking about ubisoft forward there's a lot in there we're not talking about the uh, capcom showcase uh we'll cover that later in the week uh because we have not seen it yet as of the time of this recording but we'll probably still touch on a couple capcom games here and there but kyle i don't know if you're sick of this question yet man but how are you feeling about the season so far the not quite e3 season it feels nostalgic <laughs> yeah like it feels like uh like very it feels close to an e3 which is fun and there's been like a lot of good showcases like we'll talk about xbox but i think i was Maybe my expectations were too low, but I certainly was watching it. And then afterward, sort of reflecting on it, I'm like, wow, that was really good. That, yeah. was like a, that was a lot of good stuff in there. I know. It's nice to have. I feel like, you know, people were a little bit down on PlayStation, a little bit down on uh, Keeley's Summer Game Fest, even though we were like, yeah, there's good stuff in there. There's good stuff to talk about. Um, it was like halfway through the Xbox showcase, you'd be like, wait a minute. Are they are they killing it? Like, this is shockingly good with the variety and the pacing and everything going on here. And, and nudity. And the nudity, which we can definitely unpack. Um, but then, you know, talking about being nostalgic, it was funny with the Ubisoft Forward uh, because that was just a bizarre vibe, but I appreciated it. But it really did feel like this is just some Ubisoft press conference from like 2013 or something. It felt like we were going back in time, like small stage, awkward moments, a lot of people talking on a stage and all having varying strategies for how to engage with the crowd, but the overall message of let's all talk as slowly as possible, even if we're doing a I feel like bit. I feel like a lot of people had a similar strategy and then one guy came out with plastic neon glasses and had a very different strategy. <laughs> all right, yeah. So the guy came out in the middle of uh Ubisoft's thing to talk about the Captain Laserhawk Netflix show, which is the Blood Dragon inspired not quite adaptation but inspired by blood dragon far cry 3's dlc their whole not show to be confused with the dota netflix show which is dragon blood i believe okay please we <laughs> beg of you don't be confused about it but yeah he was he definitely changed the tone where it's like he's going for jokiness like dressed up all sci-fi and stuff but um kelsey how would you describe it i know you're on board for it it's in the beginning 
And then it, how does I, it evolve? I, I thought it was a fun way to come out, and then he just... I think he really just kind of overstayed his welcome kind of thing. It was just a lot of, um, I think the way I described it in our in our reaction stream was basically just like he keeps looking like he's having a conversation with one person and waiting to see their reaction. But that's not like, this is a press conference. You're presenting. You're not like, don't don't look for our reaction. Just keep going. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a weird energy of a guy coming out, you know, the producer for this show and being like, get a load of me. Look, I'm dressed like a big laser guy. It's like, uh-huh. Have, have you seen laser E3? Guy. Like, this is this is barely registering for us, dude. Like, I know you think, think it's like the wackiest Halloween costume ever worn, but trust me, we need to Come see something more interesting. Come back when you're a giant car, you know? Yeah, a nice spinning <laughs> car like a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, I, I part of that, thinking back on it still, I'm wondering if, if they, like, told everyone not to to clap or have any reaction to it. No. Because it's like, it's like, but 40% of that audience or whatever was Ubisoft employees. (laughs) So you'd think that at some point, like, you know, Eve would look behind you and like people would start being like, oh yeah. I mean, like the, the, the uh, guy who came out to talk about, um, the The crew or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like people were cheering throughout his entire presentation he was charming for no reason other than other than that they that they work for ubisoft yeah and and i and i feel like there was there were so many times when when uh our our dragon friend guy would <laughs> would say something and then look around and and look like he was completely embarrassed that it feels like this is this a gag is like yeah is this what they're actually going for? Is is he is he is he actually not cringy? And he thinks that this would be a funny, like a funny way to present this thing. We can't, you guys. There's, they announced so many new games. We can't. I hope we so. can't focus on this one guy who's who was really trying hard to sell a bit. Of yeah. I mean, I'll say, hey, just maybe final thought on it. show. Looks cool. I love that Castlevania Netflix show. Yeah, I'll we'll check it out. Sure, we'll check, check it, out. it out. Sure. Um, but yeah, Ubisoft Forward, it, it was a little slower pace. I like that they had uh, some deeper dives into the gameplay and stuff. You know, even if there was kind of, you know, the occasional beat of like, now we're going to show the division, now we're going to show this, now we're going to show this. That's not the most exciting stuff, but like still solid. I mean, Ubisoft I mean, versus... I, getting to see more Prince of Persia yeah. was great. And like, we, we can, we'll talk about it more. I'm sure Star Wars looks very cool. Yeah. You know, like I, I liked, I liked those... Those selective deep dives. I was I was appreciative of those. Man, let's let's talk about that Prince of Persia. I know we talked about it in the last episode, but seeing like extended gameplay of it uh, from Ubisoft is another reminder. It's like, goddamn, it looks so good. Like, it's yeah. really shocking. There are a lot of people in the chat who are screaming about it, um, just shouting. But they were comparing it to that Strider reboot from like 2014, saying like, oh, it kind of has that vibes. And it's interesting, even last time we talked about it, like, oh, it's kind of, they're going for a little bit of a Prince of Persia 2D Metroidvania type thing. But to be very clear, their exact wording was, it's a semi-open world with new powers leading to new secrets. But they did not exactly <laughs> say Metroidvania. Why not say it? They did in the press release, though. Okay, that's nice. But yeah. when you're on the stage during your showcase, just say the genre that everybody likes. I don't understand why you dodge it like that. Only Keeley can do that, man. Yeah, I guess. Only he can say Pokemon with guns. <laughs> Metroidvania, Prince of Persia. Uh, but what'd you learn from this uh, gameplay demo that we didn't know before, Kyle? I mean, I guess I didn't learn a lot. I was just it. it Prince of Persia has like weirdly become like for this you know last five or six days like one of my favorite things that was announced. Yeah. Like it was yep. a big surprise, and it looks great, and it sounds great. 
And so the opportunity to see more gameplay and get a closer look at that combat was just sort of confirming my excitement of, you know, that I had from seeing it initially. Yeah. Uh, I'm just mostly surprised that I was like my one of my big show winners is a, a 2D Prince of Persia platform, right? I never would have called that a few weeks ago. Well, I think part of the thing that really helps it too, and I think Ubisoft did a really great job. Normally they're a pretty leaky ship over there, but like two of the biggest surprises of the entire thing, like Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, and then Star Wars Outlaws, like both of those didn't leak. I know they announced that Massive was working on a Star Wars game, but any details uh, hadn't leaked, which I think lets it really have an impact. And it makes like this game in particular, maybe punch above its weight for you know, a good looking 2D game, but it's like, man, the fact that it looks this good and we had no idea it existed and didn't expect it at all. Um, but yeah, seeing gameplay, like the big thing is, okay, there are time powers and you can use it in combat to do kind of like a tracer style rewind and stuff. Did you understand how that worked, Kelsey? Um, I mean, sort of. It, it, <laughs> okay. I'm sure it'll be intuitive when you play it, but yeah, just sort of a like... um I don't know that I'm blanking on. There are other games like platforming games that have done this and uh, done sort of like a, a quick rewind. Was it was it the messenger that did that? Mm, I don't know. No, too much of that. I can't. It was it was something like that. Where, yeah, you're not right. Where, I just don't have an example off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah. But but, yeah I mean, it looks cool. It's a it's a. Um, I, I don't know for sure that it's going to be used in this way, but I always appreciate that kind of stuff because it uh, you know can make the game a tiny bit easier and a little bit more approachable mm. like you you can make a mistake and then rewind it a little bit and I, I like that kind of um i like that kind of stuff in a game where i want to feel like i'm good at it when i'm probably not that good at it yeah this game looks good yeah it, it it's, just, it's exciting you know in it in the industry right now where everyone's moving towards games as a service bigger and bigger bigger games uh multiplayer focus yada 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 we've talked about it a lot just to have like it looks just like a small compact win from Ubisoft. Like if it is as good as it looks in the videos, like coming out in January, here's just a small 2D Prince of Persia that is going to play well. It's like that sounds ideal. That's what we want more of the bigger companies to at least try. Just carve out a little development time on the side for for weird stuff like this. But uh Jeff, what do you want to talk about, man? Out of everything we've seen. Um I guess we can talk about avatar a little Mm. it's 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 not super high up on my list but um it was like five minutes into the gameplay presentation i i I was just like oh this is far cry but but in the avatar world right and and that and that's not a bad sell for me because i'm i'm i am tired of far cry games in the far cry world so uh (laughs) you know a, a different setting and some different powers and just kind of a obviously it's gonna you know have a big focus on story um that that might be interesting no i am totally with you i've defended avatar too many times on this podcast but like i think maybe it's just from ubisoft's last avatar game in 2009 which was you know not great Mm -hmm. everyone kind of Maybe I'm projecting too much, but I certainly had like a little bit of reservation in the back of my head about like, ah, I don't know how this thing's going to actually turn out. And then during the entire gameplay demo, it was like, this thing seems so much bigger and better than I was anticipating having just open world first person avatar game. Kyle, what do you, you think of that whole thing? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it looks cool. I, I mean, I think I had seen assumptions that it was going to be first person, but I don't know if that was fully confirmed. That's like the one thing I was like, eh, I was kind of hoping for more of like a third person kind of platformy. Like I'd rather mm. run and jump around Pandora. 
I'm less exactly interested what I said. in like shooting yeah. from the first person perspective in an avatar game. But that being said, like I think the simple pitch of like Far Cry Avatar is is pretty solid. Like I would like an open world section of Pandora to kind of run around and explore. Yeah, and it's like a new clan you're working with and all that stuff. And the idea is like, okay, instead of taking down just an outpost like you would in Far Cry, maybe we're hitting the Far Cry theme too much. The idea of like, okay, you're taking back Pandora from the humans after the second wave of them coming. So it's, you know, in the time frame of uh, Way of Water. Um, but then as you take back the human bases and like destroy them, then like Pandora will like grow back in that area. And then you can go and find secrets there and stuff is the way they pitch it. And so like the whole idea of wanting more platforming, running and jumping, like they didn't tease something about that idea of like, you are going to be not exactly open world Metroidvania, but you're going to be getting new abilities and stuff like that. And yeah. recruiting your banshees and you can name your banshee as you fly it around. Kelsey, just think of the possibilities. I just name everything Mito after my birth. Okay, well that <laughs> sounds cute. That sounds great. Um, yeah, there's a. They didn't make the mistake of bringing James Cameron out on stage again, like they did back in the day to talk about that Avatar game for 360, where he talked for like 45 minutes because he's James Cameron. He's a blowhard. Uh, but man, like the more I hear about James Cameron's uh, working style, like I feel scared for that team at Ubisoft Massive. About like God, you want James Cameron to be like a little involved. But if you ever came by the studio to give notes, it'd be a freaking nightmare and you'd never be able to shift the game. Like, I was just listening to this interview. Oh, it's Roger Deakins' interview, uh, podcast, uh, the cinematographer. And he was talking with a cinematographer who worked on the first Avatar and also True Lies and uh, Titanic. And it's shocking how just kind of openly he was talking about what an a-hole James Cameron was. Like, not to the point of fully burning the bridge. He's pretty but open like, about it, too, I think. I think you know? everybody is a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I, I'm excited for this thing. I think it looks really great. It's coming out uh, December 7th, 2023, so it's kind of plugging the hole between the two Avatar films, I guess, if you want to see it that way. But Oh, and then also, yeah, it's a single-player, or you can play uh, two-player online co-op. But, hmm. Jeff, um, do you think there's going to be a bunch of games of service nonsense in here what's what's the downside because everything we've seen i think is looking surprisingly good for the avatar game yeah i mean i'm i'm hoping not i think that potential downside is it ends up being a lot more ubisoft open world formula yeah. than than we're expecting and it's like okay we're doing you know the same five or six activities that you do in every ubisoft open world game right um just with a just with a different skin but hopefully hopefully this it you know the ip offers a little more opportunity to try some new new things in it um and it's not just okay now climb this stone tower and figure right. out how to get to the top and activate it yeah uh kelsey when i talk what do you want to talk about uh what's on your list can we move on to the xbox showcase is that whatever or, no or just no no, no. Around? Just bounce it, to whatever the hell matter? you want Okay, this is a weird one to start with, but I want to start off with a particularly chaotic one, which is that weird uh, game Metaphor yes. Refantasio. Yes, I was hoping you were going to go this direction. Yeah, the, the creative team behind Persona 3, 4, and 5. Um, it's supposed to be, you know, an RPG, and that's... They showed a lot of stuff, and I am no closer to understanding what this is other than uh, it's clearly made by the Persona people, and so I will probably like it, but yeah. that's... And, I, and so to be clear, because this is one thing I wasn't sure about, like, it's not just, like, Atlas. 
right? Like right. this yeah. is what they're doing instead of Persona 6. So it is the director right from Persona 5. And I guess they announced okay. it a while ago as Project Re-Fantasy. They announced it six years ago that they were working on this thing. All right. um, so I guess oh, right wow. when Persona 5 shipped then, I guess, with that timeline. I guess that's how it works out roughly. Um, yeah, so they've been working on it forever. So I guess like the hardcore fan base was like, finally we get to see this and it's a more fantasy based take on persona but like when it started i was like is this tokyo mirage session because it starts with like shots of japan and then it kind of looks fantasy based but then there's also some kind of more steampunky stuff in there and so i was really with you kelsey where during the showcase i watched and i was like oh this seems cool all right there's a lot going on here but i can't wait to watch this later and really unpack everything that i see and went back and watched it today just by myself in the quiet light of day and like I still have no idea what I'm looking at, but it's like a shot every half a second. They're showing so much, but just my brain can't comprehend it. Yeah, absolutely excited for it, but absolutely no idea what it's about at all or what. I mean, yeah, it, like you said, it was just so many cuts. It was like every two seconds, a different line from a different part of the game. Yeah. And it just, it made no sense. I also... um I'm really regretting how much praise we gave that team for the Persona 5 UI because, boy, are they just going <laughs> so overboard with it in every game now. Like, I mean, we might talk about the tactics game and the Persona yeah, 5 yeah, sure, no, and yeah, everything, yeah. Um, but, like, those two and this game, every time they showed the UI, I was like... I regret how much we all celebrated that because that seems to be the only note they took from that. It's just insane, over-the-top UI. Yeah, it could be worse. But yeah, that is the wild thing is like, you know, having a new IP from, you know, one of the most talented RPG studios around on the Xbox stage. And then not only that, like they went so deep into Atlas here because then they also announced Persona 5 Tactics P5T which is kind of... Tact Tactica. Tactica, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Yeah. So it's kind of like a chibi-ish looking version of Persona 5 in there. Um, but I thought then, it was going to be Persona Q, because that's what those... Did you ever play those those like no, mystery dungeon no. Persona yeah, games? Yeah, yeah. Like I assumed it was going to be that, and then it was Tactics, but it's very much the same style, and I wonder if it's the same uh, team. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but then the other big thing was the Persona 3 remake, which unfortunately uh, leaked a little bit ahead of time and all that stuff. But it's weird because they just released the remaster, like their showcase last year. Xbox was like, Xbox was proud to say, hey, you can play Persona 3 on an Xbox, on Game Pass. And then now, one year later, it's like, and we're doing a full remake of Persona 3. Um, it kind of explains why that remaster was kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like missing a lot of the animated cutscenes, and it was the oh, PSP really? version, which limits like uh, you don't actually have like 3D character movement between combat. But in, in, the, take, in that version, I, I like that more. I think some people do. There's yeah. there's no reason to physically move your body through the halls of a high school in Persona Three. You clicking on it is just as effective. <laughs> Hot take. I get, my my big thing was certainly like the missing cutscenes. Because they couldn't include it oh, in the PSP sure. version because of size, yeah. and it's like that you need to like insert that back in for the for the re-release here. But anyway, that and so now the remake's coming, so it's like okay, any complaints you had about that? It's like well, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, did you play Persona Three, Kelsey? I've played it through two and a half times. Jesus Christ! I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um i've played it uh well i played persona 3 portable through twice and then the like ps2 version i got like halfway through and then was just like i have there's there's other than the cutscenes, like you mentioned there's really not that much 
new in it um, besides just the fact that you are physically walking around instead of clicking on things. But yeah, I played through the um, the story as like the main protagonist and then uh, Persona 3 Portable adds a female protagonist. So right. did that. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's one of my favorites. So I'm a little annoyed that I have to play it yet again, but, <laughs> <laughs> but also excited too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw people were bummed out that apparently the uh, woman protagonist isn't in this version of Persona 3, that it's based on the original. Is that right? That's a bummer. But, I mean, it's still, like, that always felt like um, another good way to play the game, but not like a, you have to play that version of the game. Okay. What um what stands out to you from the trailer? Is there anything that really pops since you know the game so well? Um, No, not really. Like, yeah. it, it just... I mean, they didn't show much uh, that I recall that was like, oh, that's different. It was just like, this looks nice. Um, I'm hoping the dungeons are better in this game because they're just very, like, random, uh, procedurally generated and not interesting in Persona 3. Um, uh, They're much... They get better at that every game, and Persona 5 is where I feel like they finally actually designed something rather than just kind of, you know had something procedurally generated it's fine if it's not but i hope that that they've at least um done some design work on it so it's a little bit less like because sometimes you'd reach a floor and it would just be like oh this one's really short oh this one's really long and annoying and there would be no rhyme or reason to it weird uh yeah they say early 2024 for the persona 3 uh remake and then uh the new game uh metaphor that's coming out 2024 apparently it's not a xbox exclusive or anything that i've seen um let's see where to go next uh let's maybe change the pace a little bit um in the xbox showcase uh, one of the early things they showed was a new game from compulsion games who made we happy few and i feel like it's been a big mystery for a long time of like we know they're working on something new i'm really curious what it's going to be and then it was a game called south of midnight um, which had a trailer which looked stop motion-y, um, you know, very Coraline-inspired is how they put it and stuff. And I was curious, like, is this just the trailer? But according to, like, a little interview they did on the Xbox Wire, it seems like, no, in the game, they're also going to go for kind of a Coraline look for the overall art direction. But, Kyle, what do you mm-hmm. remember from South of Midnight? I mean, I like that sort of stilted frame rate look. It's yeah. funny, my reaction every time I see that now, which is a lot in animation, is is like, oh, Spider-Verse. 100%. Like, that's the big takeaway everyone took from Spider-Verse was mm-hmm. like, we don't need F24 a second. We can drop that down <laughs> to like 15 or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. 12 and it looks but, more uh, charming. I mean, it looks yeah. cool. I don't really have a sense of what the game is other than I like the way it looks. Yeah, I, I think they could have used a little bit more. Maybe it's still too early to, to show gameplay and stuff, but they actually went into a lot of detail on Xbox's site. So apparently it's a hmm. third-person action-adventure a magical realism game taking place in the American South. And so you play as Hazel, who's that main character, and it's a little Witcher-esque where she's going around the American South, like jumping between locations, trying to find and patch up the tears between worlds. It's not a multiverse thing, but where crazy monsters have come through. So basically just an, an opportunity to run around in the American South and encounter all these wild myths. And so, you know, Shades of Kentucky Route Zero in there. You know, I'm curious to see how many people Am are going to be lured in by it. I feel like every magical realism video game takes place in the South. Like, wasn't there another one that took place From in like water Louisiana? to wine, something like right? that? 
yeah, um, the detective one. I, I we're not going to recall it, but I feel like every one is like takes place in the south. That's funny because a huge part of that Xbox Wire interview uh, is David Sears, who's the creative director for this thing, um, who is also the creative director for Rainbow Six Patriots, that canceled Ubisoft game, and I got to spend a couple days with him up in Montreal years ago, and he was. He struck me as a very bold guy, you know, like mm. Remember Six Patriots, very bold take overall uh, <laughs> with me. Hey, you know who the real terrorists are? The United States military. It's like, okay, this is an angle for a game. Um, so I, I like knowing that the current director at least likes to take big swings. Uh, but a big thing in that um, piece on Xbox Wire was him talking about like, you know, not enough games take place in the South. Like it always just feels like a parody of itself. We want to give a well-represented, what he said, honest love letter. Because the South deserves its time in the spotlight. Uh, so Kyle, as a man from the South, uh, I guess, Kelsey, do you count yourself as a woman from the South? Uh, you know, it's weird because I've been in Seattle now for almost 11 years and I was in Texas for almost 11 years. So it's like, it's very, uh, it's fading. But well, where did okay. you grow you know? up? That's the question. Texas. Like okay. I went to, from the South. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to high school and, and most of my school years in the South. So. Yeah. I don't know if there's much magical realism happening in Texas. No offense. It feels more like a Louisiana. That's magical. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that's where the like sort of voodoo stuff is. And I mean, it, it feels very organic to come from um, that part of the South. Yeah. I feel like I'm I am. I'm going to say cautiously optimistic about this because I also thought we happy few looked fantastic. And then yep. I didn't think it was fantastic, unfortunately. So this again, I'm like, I'm love the style i think this looks cool but i'm not gonna get my hopes up quite as much as i did with we happy few yeah so. yep i hear you i was excited hearing them talk about in that little piece about uh, focusing on the music and how like each city that you go to each location is gonna have like a different interpretation different version of like focusing on blues and gospel music it's like that that all sounds really cool even if the trailer didn't exactly blow us away like we're watching it like is this the dreams campaign like what what am i looking at here because it has certain crossovers <laughs> with that main character but uh kyle what, what stood out to you what do you want to talk about next uh by the way the game i was thinking of magical realism in the south was norco that's the norco that yeah mind. yeah yeah um i want to talk about uh fable yeah actually. i i it's another instance where like i don't really have a sense of what that how that game is going to play mm-hmm. exactly but i think what that trailer did was establish tone and I like the tone. Nailed I like. It. I was very excited to see. Was it? It's Richard Iode. Is how you pronounce yeah, his name from IT. And crowd. I was like, okay, he feels like he absolutely belongs in Fable. And I just, he's just one of those comedians that just can say anything, and it's funny. And then the twist of him being the giant was like fun. Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been excited for new Fable since we kind of had an inkling of you know who was making it and that it was going to exist. This trailer to me was funny a good tone setter and also just a nice confirmation that fable is happening. Like we are working on it. This, yeah. it, this is probably in game, you know, presumably yeah. uh, maybe could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did turn out to look not quite that good, but um, I, it was, it was exciting for me. It was, it was mostly yeah. just a confirmation of fable and I was happy for that. Yeah. I'm totally yeah, with you. I, I also like before they got to all the giant stuff, I like the idea and I don't know how much it will carry over into the game, but I like I like the idea that heroes in that world are all kind of jerks and and everyone just kind of like tolerates them. Right. And, and there was once there was one scene where like the the hero like kicks a chicken into the horizon or whatever. And there's a guy going by with a wheelbarrow and he's like, 
yeah, very good. You know, like <laughs> and it's it's just like you you have to just kind of placate them, right? And that was that was kind of a a funny, uh, like it, it's a funny direction to take what otherwise usually is like it. Those games have always just kind of been fantasy games with kind of a sense of humor, and mm-hmm. whether whether the humor, I think the humor also stood out to me and worked better for me um, in this version. And I like the idea of kind of being a, br- a brash, you know, jerk who's who's like supposed to be the good guy, but everyone's kind of like low key annoyed with is a is a funny <laughs> take on like traditional fantasy RPG. Yeah, not much role playing for you there, Jeff. Huh? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. Where it's like, hey, thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be on the podcast for another 30 minutes. Um, no, I, I'm totally with you. Where it's like, you know, I have full faith in, de- in the developers, like Playground Games, uh, after working on so many Forza Horizon games. I just feel like they're so talented for just even open world RPG, even though you're in a car design. Uh, so letting them do something new, I'd imagine it's energizing the hell out of that team. So it's like development and developers, I feel confident about like nailing the tone. I think it's so hard to make a funny game trailer. I think this trailer nailed that. And so two of the three are down. Now it's just, there's the whole thing about the gameplay, I guess. <laughs> the actual gameplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. see. But uh, yeah, no release date for, for Fable, but cool to, to give folks a, a big update for that thing. Um, let's see, who wants to go next? Who's got something they're excited about? Can we talk about uh, the new Yakuza? Yes. Please. Now, I'm not familiar with this Yakuza series that you're talking about, Kelsey. Yakuza. Um, oh, I this is. Oh, so. sorry. What are What are they calling this one? Ooh. It's uh, uh, like a dragon infinite wealth. That's right. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Honestly, I was, yeah. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was sitting in my yard thinking that subtitle for the new Yakuza slash Like a Dragon. This is basically Yakuza Eight, by the way, for everybody watching, listening. Well, but, wait, real quick. That's my question. Is yeah. it Yakuza Eight, or yeah. is this a different? Game? Nope, nope, nope. This is Yakuza Eight. Okay, so yeah. Infinite Wealth. That's it, oh, okay. They're calling it Like a Dragon Eight, and now they're calling it Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Yes, yes. Okay, because I thought it was a standalone Ichiban game. Mm, no. I- uh, that okay, could okay. be the case too, but I wasn't sure. Nope. So. Yeah. Okay. So they they tried okay. to clarify a little bit, like in a press release update, being like, "It's the eighth main installment of the Yakuza series." And I wonder Got if it. you're even going for like infinite wealth, like the infinity sign, like like an eight sideways. Yeah. Like I think they're playing with some of that in there. But like infinite wealth is such a good subtitle for an RPG. It's such a weird <laughs> idea of like I'm going to be grinding for money in a game called Infinite Wealth, and that's a very funny idea. I also think that like infinite is a subtitle that is used, you know, with somewhat frequency, you know, Bioshock infinite or whatever. And it's like a, it's like, to me, it felt also like a play on using the word infinite, but then infinite wealth, like smart or yeah. Uh, And I don't know. I'm very, so I, I am so excited about this thing, knowing absolutely nothing about it. I am just such a huge fan of each one character that like it it truly does not matter what i've seen like you can just show his face and like thunderous applause for me and i'm ready so (laughs) honestly i think like they showed a little more than his face they showed a little more than his face so for everybody if you haven't seen this trailer you need to see it it's a very austin powers or simpsons movie or opening of dmc uh 2013 where it's ichiban waking up on a beach and being like why is everyone looking at me and then he's naked, but he doesn't realize it. And so they're constantly hiding his crotch as he's walking around this beach um, to great effect. But you do get to see his butt for the perverts out there. So congratulations. But genuinely, like, 
you know, you say like, oh, I barely know anything about it. But like in terms of a tease, I think this absolutely nails it. It's just him waking up on a Hawaiian beach, like Waikiki, it looks like. Uh, Ichiban, this character who's only been in Japan. And then at the end, he's just screaming, what the hell is going on? It's like, yeah, this is how you tease. Like, I am so intrigued. And maybe it's because I love like a dragon so much. But like, this is the perfect mystery of just a weird teaser. And it's like, I am also wondering what the hell is going on. He's just going to be in Honolulu for the entire game. That sounds amazing for a premise. That that would be a very fun twist. Yeah. Um, and and I think would would definitely re- uh, revitalize all like the approach to storytelling for that series and would would be would be a super fun like as soon as i saw that because i kind of i i always try playing the yakuza games and then i eventually bounce off all Mm. of them and immediately i was like oh okay this one's this one's interesting this one's back on my radar of just like there there's so much potential there comedic and otherwise Mm. um for what you could do with that premise yeah and it's so weird too because like i uh I like playing those games in Japanese. So it's so weird having this trailer where Ichiban speaking in Japanese and then it kind of like broke my brain. Like, wait, there's just like a blonde lady on the beach speaking in English. Like, how is that going to work for just language settings? <laughs> like if Ichiban is going to be Japanese the entire game, entire but I'd imagine that everybody, like that's what I want. I want everyone to speak in English except for Ichiban, you know, at least for this. I'm sure it's going to be just one little area and he'll find friends eventually or whatever, but um, but this game is confusing, Kyle. Um, you are right to be confused about if this is a spinoff because there is Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, which they also showed a trailer for in some other showcase. I forget where that was a couple days ago. I think that one was Summer Games Fest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that's the new Kiryu game, which is between six and seven. No, um, no, no. He doesn't have a name. I am sorry. Yeah. Naming in this series There's is getting no way of knowing who it is. So this man who erased his name, it that game takes place between uh, six and seven, and that's coming out this year. It's coming out in November. Um, but then the part that's weird is that Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth has dual protagonists. So you're playing as Kiryu and Ichiban, but it's the RPG style from Like a Dragon. Um, so it's... I know they want this to be a grand new entry point with Yakuza 7 and stuff, but I already feel like it's getting so complicated and weird for like, this is blasphemous, so please forgive me, but I just really like Like a Dragon um, and Yakuza 7. Like, I I would be happy if Kiryu wasn't in this game at all. Like, I feel like there's so much baggage now of like, okay, I, I need to play Like a Dragon Gaiden later this year just so I can be a little more caught up on the Kiryu storyline so I understand the dual protagonist thing better for this new game. Which is, I don't know, a lot of weight. Um, I do feel like it would it would be totally fine, and maybe they're just scared to do it. Like it is totally fine to just you know to just branch the paths here. Like it does not have right. to include every character you've ever created for this series. But also, it's weird to have this rising trend of like dual protagonists in games. You know, if we got like a dragon infinite wealth and then alan wake 2 coming out in october and then spider-man 2 coming out in october it's just a mm. bizarre trend i guess if you want to include ratchet and clank uh, rift apart on pc let's rope that in um that's cheating yeah i guess you're right but it is just weird how it's like oh yeah everybody's into dual protagonists for single player games that's a new trend but uh let's see kyle what do you want to talk about Star Wars Outlaws. Yeah, biggie, biggie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cool initial trailer. That was during Xbox, right? Yep. Okay, it's, it's, yeah. It gets all. But uh, yeah, it really sang to me 
look watching it on Ubisoft where they just showed like a big chunk of gameplay. Yeah. And um, I don't know why. It, maybe I just am not paying enough attention or I'm just dumb. But I was like, oh, this is like this is the Han Solo game. Yep. That's like what this is. Like it took me like watching gameplay for five minutes to be like, oh, she's OK. That, that's the other side of Star Wars that we're getting to play as is the Han Solo side. And it looks it looks cool. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, even in that first trailer that uh, Xbox showed, I mean, one of the first shots you saw was Han Frozen and Carbonite, which also is just a nice speed to be like, this time, it's between between episodes five and six, please. Uh, You know exactly where this is happening. But yeah, that's the weird thing. So it's a huge open world Star Wars RPG from Massive, the same team also making the Avatar game, or the same studio at least, I'm sure different teams within that Swedish studio. Um, But yeah, that was the thing is watching, it was like, man, it's weird to see this and be excited about it and be like, oh, this is kind of just the culmination of Project Ragtag that Amy Hennig was working on at Visceral because they were also mm-hmm. going for kind of the scoundrel with a heart of gold storyline there. But it's like, okay, now we're taking it, but now it's a uh, woman protagonist. Um, Kay Vess is her name and she's got her little alien buddy named Nix, who's going to be the alien version of BD1. So if everybody confused, you can just grab onto that. Um, or the but- shorter Chewbacca short Chewbacca some would call Nix yeah uh but it looks awesome and huge I'm kind of getting scared of it like just you know going back to Watch Dogs and probably before that even Ubisoft has had a rough you know a trend of promising too much in their first uh big gameplay showcases and then having to scale things back and like this looks so good and so big that Jeff do you understand like how the world's going to be structured because you look like you could fly the ship out of the atmosphere and i'm like how is this going to be yeah coinciding with I, that level I, wonder of production? If, I wonder if they were i wonder if they were just putting a crosshairs on it while it was transitioning into space and that's when you yeah. actually got control of it. it it was when when they first showed it on the xbox showcase i actually i thought the character was like you know a custom character right she because it it didn't i guess i, I wasn't expecting a bespoke character like that. And then during, during the actual gameplay segment, what stood out was that like, we know it's a big open world game, but what they showed felt more in like the vein of an uncharted mission, kind of like very, very story heavy, very, you know, like character driven. And then we'll take you through what felt, you know, like a, a pretty set kind of action set piece moment kind of thing. Um, and then we we watch her run out into a giant open world, but it's, but yeah, that has left like this question in my brain of like, okay, are you know like very focused missions, but everything that I know about Ubisoft open world games is like we're gonna give you a big map with activities everywhere, and none right. of the activities look or play like that segment did. So that that has me very intrigued, a little worried, a little unsure of what to expect from yeah. this and that's just um, like one world but then imagine that it's like and then we're going to all of these planets and it's like well how a bunch is of that different planets yeah. yeah uh yeah it, it seems huge there's a weird thing too and i'm curious if they ever say anything about it but like the aspect ratio is uh different for this game compared to everything else we've seen unless you want to go back to the order 1886 which youtube chat during our reaction stream pointed out we should call it the order 66 
Um, it, it was. It's funny because uh, Blake Hester, when we were covering it, was like got super excited about it in our Game Informer chat. Really? And his and his point of reference was like, "Yeah, bring it back like 1886." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I uh, and I don't think I would have noticed if he hadn't said anything. And I was like looking at it. And I was like, I actually I think this is really cool. I like that it gives it a, a different sort of cinematic kind of vibe you know i mean cinematic is an overused word to uh-huh. describe video games but it's like it's a simple thing that i don't know it was kind of working for me well i remember that was the big thing too of with the order 1886 when it's just like you know extra black bars on the top and bottom if you want to be simplistic about and jet it, force right? gemini and did it really i think so yeah okay <laughs> but i remember everyone was just like oh you're cheating the order 1886 like it's truly one of the best looking ps4 games but it's cheating because you're not rendering pixels on 40% of the screen or 30% of the screen. It's like, there's, there's something to that. Uh, but I'm curious if this is just for the gameplay reveal and mm-hmm. to accommodate for extra wide monitors or when the game ships, it's going to have this too. But that's enough about that uh, boring stuff. But um, yeah, Kelsey, I like that you pointed out her hair is super 80s, like perfect Star Wars hair. Yeah, well, and the, I didn't, I other... didn't catch the uh, Han Solo in Carbonite or whatever mm. thing. So I, uh, I, I like that. Yeah, it is very clearly like not only are we showing you that it's set here, but also like everyone looks appropriate to that time period down to the hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems like the main character, like they're trying to make her seem like she's uh, OK. She's in the criminal underworld, but she's kind of just getting used to fighting and stuff. Like it's a pretty telling thing that the first punch she throws in the trailer, she's like, ow, ow, my hand. Uh, so it seems like she's kind of easing into this world. And so, uh, you know. Again, this game looks so good and so big that I'm I can't help but poke holes at it. I'm starting to just worry like, okay, is is she gonna be a little obnoxious? She seems good so far, but I feel like the industry over the last couple of years is super sensitive to obnoxious protagonists um in open world games. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm already so much more sold on her than Carl that <laughs> I'm Carl. I'm there for it. Yeah. Yeah, well that is the weird do thing. Think, do you think Disney is like you can't do cu- character customized character? Like for Star Wars, because that's, we want we need them to be in the canon, and we that's be able to reference them. In the I I was I was wondering that too, and it's I feel like for what I mean they've they've done them in the past, haven't they? But but I feel Kotor, like it would always yeah, always be always be like either you are a version of that character or B version of that character, and it's mm-hmm. always a set character. So yeah, I I wonder if they just don't want to give people that power which which feels weird because so much of all of the messaging of Star Wars games is like come live in our galaxy and you, like like they made the larping version of come be your own jedi in this in in our Star Wars world but they won't give it to us in a video game. Yeah. But I think you're right. I mean I could see if the game does well, you know, them bringing her in, they got the big Ahsoka show and then kind of the the show that's going to be the climax of everything kind of taking place after Return of the Jedi and stuff. So they've cast it, you know, a real actor who looks like that. So I could see her being in the same spot as Mr. Carl Kestis from Fallen Order. Just like fingers crossed that finally they get brought into the live action world for the big crossover film that's coming up in that timeline. But um, there's a weird moment, too. Do you see that where like she's talking to um, an Imperial soldier and you can bribe her or not bribe her and she chooses not to bribe her? And then she's leaving and then like her face is on all the screens in the little cantina. And then like a big wanted text thing comes on the screen where it's like, are they going for like elements of GTA in here? We're going to have a wanted level from the empire. It's such a cool idea. I mean, the wanted thing went like over your screen and stuff too. Like you, 
know that you are wanted. You need to get out of here. Yeah, very, very GTA. Yeah. Uh, so it it looks suspiciously good. Uh, if you haven't seen this thing. Also, there's ship combat and, you know, uh, dogfighting in space. It just, it looks awesome. Um, and coming in 2024 uh, for Star Wars Outlaws there. We'll see. In theory, this could be this could be a little bit of a wait for this thing, especially if that same studio is shipping Avatar next year. It's bananas. Um, who else has got something? Who wants to love? There are so many things in this Xbox showcase. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know how we're gonna get all get to all of them. But um, the Capcom game that looked um, kind of like Onimusha, but wasn't right. Kunitsugami Path of the Goddess looked looked really cool. Looked I really awesome. liked the art the art style they're going for there and just i don't know it just looks like good old-fashioned capcom action fun yeah no for sure i only hesitate to talk about it just because there's probably more revealed by the time um we're talking about this because it's probably oh, in the yeah, capcom showcase point. but totally yeah <laughs> there's like starting out like, is this animusha it's like no it's something new and yeah kunitsu kunitsugami path of the goddess so it's cool again i mean it's you know everybody always loves criticisms at microsoft for not making enough headway into the japanese market but like this showcase they're pushing for it man everybody but square enix apparently is at least talking to them and working with them in a big way um sorry kyle i mean uh, is it um i i i feel like i'm finally sort of excited about starfield for the first time oh yeah of this because yeah. i have really to the point where i'm like i don't even know if i'm gonna play that game like honestly like i'm not a big yep. bethesda guy like I always dabble a couple hours with Skyrim and Oblivion and stuff, and that Fallout. I, but this was like the one where I was like, I finally got excited, and the gunplay looks good. Yep. Like the gunplay looked so much better than last time they showed it. Uh, now the 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 question is just like the intimidation of scale of that game. Um, it it just looks absurd. Like it, and it feels like they've like barely scratched the surface after a forty five minute presentation that was just absolutely loaded with stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I now consider myself excited for Starfield for the first Kyle, time. I'm 100% the same camp with you where I've never been a Bethesda guy. And it's like, oh, Starfield, I'm happy they get to do something new. I don't know. I don't know. Even like, you know, some stuff we saw in the past, like the shipbuilding, like I'm intrigued. But I thought that showcase and that Starfield Direct was so well done for laying it out in a way that it fully it fully got me in. And it was like it was the ship stuff in particular. They're really sold. Me. Oh, like, handsome. We know it was the room full of sandwiches. This I'm sorry. Room you're full of stolen sandwiches. <laughs> no, but I think got you. they did a really good job in the presentation. First of all, of like not just being like Todd Howard, Todd Howard, Todd Howard, which feels like it's so much of that in the yeah. past, but actually showing like different members of the development team talking. And they had like one person in particular was like, I'm the wacky lady. Come to me and I'll tell you the weird stuff. Uh, but I she mean, was my ships look like platypuses. <laughs> that's exactly it. She's like, yeah, you can make animal themed spaceships yeah. and you can customize your ship in such a weird way that we've actually just made like a mech. And it's just kind of like stupid looking Gundam with boosters on its feet, like taking <laughs> off in the sky. Like it's a, like, it's so smart. This game is so versatile. You can make stupid looking things. Yes. Here's a stupid thing we made. And I was like, thank you for showing me that. That looks amazing. Yeah, exactly. But I thought it was incredibly smart. And so like, yeah, focusing on the ship building and then also just the idea of like, you can just attack enemies in space, uh, dog fighting in space, and then you can board their ship and then just take their ship back to your bay. Like that is the stuff that's like, ooh, I haven't really personally done that in the game. I'm not playing a lot of free space or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah. Go on their ship and murder them all in first person combat. And then once they're gone, you can just steal their ship and build up a fleet of your own yes. ships. Um yeah, that that feels very like 
very much of an extension of the kind of open world shenanigans that you get from Bethesda games where it's like, oh, I'm just going to do that the entire time. And mm. I'll probably never touch the main stories, which I usually don't. Yeah, uh, my 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 big question still um, like they they showed they showed a lot of, you know, interesting stuff. I like that they said that even for the procedurally generated planets, which are whole planets, you kind of you'll land and they will kind of, um, you know, like generate interesting stuff around you. That's a little right. more kind of like actual, um, you know, human created content for it but it but it's still my big question still is how many planets are just you go there and you mine some stuff they even said that like you know like only a very small amount of planets actually have life just like in you know a real galaxy or whatever and it's like okay how like just how many are not going to be interesting and and every time they they would show like 995 of them probably (laughs) yes yes the that's that's exactly where I felt like because every time they they'd show giant you know like weird alien species walking around it's yeah. like that looks cool, but if you're making all those by hand, how many planets are you making them for? And is like are are you know fifty planets going to have animals on them? And is each planet only going to have three species? Because that's still way too much you know like for human beings to design by hand for these kind of things. And it, it's it's just that they've set such a a breadth of content that they have to make, and how much like there's you you can only make procedurally generated content like that, you know, so so interesting, mm-hmm. and and so they they spent a lot of time showing the stuff that you know actual humans worked on, but but I still feel like there's that that second layer, and how much what's the balance between those two. Yeah, it was interesting how they mentioned that, like, you know, you going to a planet, it'll be different if your friend lands on that same planet compared to No Man's Sky, where it's procedural, but every planet you can play co-op now at some point. I mean, the obvious comparison here is No Man's Sky. There's a lot of, I'm sure, uh, wiggle room in there for comparisons here and there. But uh, well, I I think the thing that was like kind of getting me excited about it is like, I don't I don't really like No Man's Sky. I don't I don't really like the procedurally generated stuff, but it seems like if that's. If if it's your player like me, that's fine because you can just focus on the story or something. Like there's so yeah. much there that like the procedural stuff is there for a different type of player. You know, like that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, curious. It was interesting seeing chat get really excited about so many of the gameplay things, and then every time they focused on like, and here are the factions in the story, and here's a quest, and it just does. It's some real Bethesda facial animation. You can see everybody just like okay but still everything else looks so cool like there's definitely kind of the main story quest or just the presentation is still a little little old school yeah yeah there there was a moment in it where they were like we have completely upgraded our character customization and in fact every npc we use to create their faces for it and it was like i knew that from the beginning (laughs) when you first started showing those characters uh it's it's still not super impressive but yeah, the the faction stuff. Like, first of all, I don't. No one wants to hear about that when you're when you're doing a showcase like that. That's well. going to be something that you actually get to when you start playing. Is when it's going to be more interesting. Um, but to me, at least, those factions have always just been about like 
you pick your playstyle and the type of missions that you want to do and those are the mission dispensers it's like mm-hmm. okay you want to you like sneaking around then you join the thieves guild and i and i'm so i'm not like i'm not super concerned about what you know i'm sure i'm sure the story is going to be Bethesda's story and it's mm-hmm. like all you got to do is keep giving me missions for the type of gameplay that i want to do and yeah and that'll be that'll be enough for me and it's a lot of teasing about like oh you you were able to activate these alien relics that are scattered around the galaxy that nobody else knows what to do with. it feels like precursor civilization story which we've encountered a lot uh, in the history of games alone um but then the, the interesting thing that they hadn't really shown before is they ended the direct with a tease of like the main character looking like they kind of have magical powers probably derived from being able to interact with these relics and kind of making people levitate in a hallway it's just like okay is that the interesting twist of the story is you will get more and more sci-fi abstract stuff throughout the game compared to when you start out and they're more in their nasa core uh aesthetic as they're trying to emphasize here but nasa punk nasa punk there it is um yeah the uh big thing too that came out afterwards is 30 frames per second on all xboxes pc obviously will still be unlimited and all that fun stuff but People were pretty outraged. Kyle, how are you feeling about the idea of a first-party Microsoft game, big new IP, and it's going to be like, oh, our most powerful console, the most powerful console on Earth, 30 frames a second. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't... I like, yeah, but I Kyle, like hang on, hang on, Kyle, Kyle, stop. Come on, Kyle, Kyle. This is podcasting, baby. I'm going to lob it up again. Kyle, how do you feel about <laughs> Xbox, their big new IP on the most powerful console ever? 30 frames per second. What do you think, dude? I think I want my money back yeah. for everything. <laughs> Down every with down Game Pass, refund everybody. No, uh, I, no I would. Yeah, I always, I'm, I always go performance. I love, I love playing a sixty FPS game, but like, it, it, it's not. It's certainly not a deal breaker for me by any means. Yeah, at all. Yeah, I, yeah. I play, I played Morrowind at ten frames a second back <laughs> on the original Xbox. Uh, that's not, not much of an exaggeration. Um, so if if they can lock it in at 30, we'll be doing good for a Bethesda game. They said they're locking it in at 30. That, I, I joke, but I it is certainly alarming and worth talking about that a big new yeah. Microsoft IP is only running at 30 on their super powerful console. It is just like a, really, guys? Really? It, not a deal breaker, but just like, come on. It's just like, I, come on. Do you want it delayed yeah, it, for another two years? I don't care, sure. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, sure. Yeah, honestly, I don't like I'm not in a rush to play it. I'm excited for it, but if, yeah. if it take if you if you need another twelve months to get it up to sixty, I'll wait, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think that's a hardware reflection. That's a Bethesda reflection. Yeah. Like they're yeah. that the, the strength of that of that studio and they have a lot of strengths, but it has never been, you know, technical for yeah. them. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, Starfield. Um, I, I, I'm glad we share the exact same mentality about that, Kyle. Just like we were curious, and now it's like, all right, now I'm now excited to play this. After that, yeah, um, I will play it for sure. Yeah, and I think like it's interesting seeing Xbox's showcase. They had, they were coming in at a real low spot, uh, coming off a of Redfall, and you know the kind of funny interview where Phil Spencer just. Uh, my memory is he just cried on camera and said, we're so stupid. We're so stupid. Yeah, he, he was, he was, you know, flogging. He, right. Yeah. There, it was uncomfortable. I can't believe it kind of funny aired that. Um, but then like the show guys, I, it really impressed. Like there's so much variety in there. And then also they were hitting it hard. And 
you know, Sarah Bond from Microsoft is out there with the soaring music, the orchestral music of her just being like, games are great. And we're doing it, you guys. We're bringing them to you. And then Phil Spencer out there, he had the message too of just, you know, which I think was accurate of like, hey, remember in 2018 when we started buying all those studios? Like, now it's coming to fruition. Like, look at this stuff. We are there is kind of his tone for all this. And it's it's true. Like, we didn't see new Double Fine stuff or anything. But uh, we saw Avowed uh, real quick, the Obsidian uh, RPG, which we had seen a tease of before. Um, but just, yeah, Obsidian's killing it. And it's weird to go from talking about Starfield to talking about Avowed because Starfield's like, it's a little, you know, the character's a little rough looking and, you know, maybe it could be better. And then Avowed, like, Another open world RPG. This is the one, if you don't remember, it's set in the same world as Pillars of Eternity from Obsidian. Um, the director uh, was a writer on Outer Worlds. I'm curious to see how much of that team went over to this versus went to Outer Worlds 2 and stuff. But anyways, the point is like this game, it looks a little budget-ish for an open world RPG. But what's wrong with me where that kind of got me excited? Is it just like classic <laughs> Obsidian that I'm excited about? Or what is it? It's I- classic. Yeah, I think it's classic Obsidian. It's It's knowing that you're going to get what they're showing you I yes. think, a yep. little bit. Yep. 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 And, and knowing that the, that ultimately like it looks fine for an obsidian game. And you know that the things that you're going to get excited about for an obsidian game, you know, are at least going to look that good. And that's, yep. that's reason to get excited. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good way of putting on putting it. And I, I saw um, the director at GDC, she gave a presentation and talked about like, the team and i think she said it was like around 100 people so like definitely pretty small um for making a, a game of this size um but yeah it's an open world rpg first person um and you're jumping around the living lands in the world of pillars of eternity from like island to island and all that stuff but very fantasy uh dual wield magic spells and all that stuff but the cool thing too that i forgot it's like oh yeah it's the pillars world so like they have swords and shields and they also have like pistols and stuff which i think would make it feel interesting like having a pistol and then also magic um but i don't tw- think i knew that the yeah pillars thing oh uh, yeah was yeah. that is that new or i just i just missed that detail in the past no it was when they first revealed it they they showed it that way yeah oh, um cool. but yeah josh sawyer who who was the lead for pillar of eternity he isn't on it which is interesting i'm curious how much he's he's helping out overall there because i think he's like studio career director but um yeah about super curious about it 2024 there's a date on that one compared to a lot of other microsoft stuff here that was still eh, wait and see everybody please um another one that is coming to fruition from a studio they bought is a uh, clockwork revolution uh from yeah. in exile uh, kyle how would you describe clockwork evolution uh bio i've heard people say bio clock <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> i was just gonna say straight up bioshock Infinite. yeah it is <laughs> it's just bioshock Infinite. <laughs> it is wild i saw there's somebody who said like hey i think it was shared in like the min max discord to get a load of this channel but it's like hey i worked on the trailers for bioshock infinite so i'm just gonna do like a frame by frame breakdown and comparison from clockwork revolution to bioshock infinite and it's wild but uh, Clockwork Revolution, I think it's worth uh, preaching on its own and looking into the history of it a little bit uh, has helped differentiate it. But so it's in exile who's developing this, Brian Fargo, old legendary developer. Wasteland 3 was the last game uh, this studio made, which is kind of an isometric RPG that we're all like, yeah, yeah, that I'm sure it was good. But it's one of those games, like if you're into it, like I guess it just was excellent. You know, it's 85% of Metacritic. Like this is a really talented team. I'm curious to see them working from an isometric RPG in Unity to working on Clockwork Revolution, like a first-person RPG, action RPG as they put it. Like, that's that's a big lift. But um, the interesting thing is apparently um, it's very steampunk-inspired, very Bioshock Infinite for a thousand different ways. 
But their angle and how they're messaging it is that apparently uh, it's being led by Chad Moore and Jason Anderson, who uh, were brought into in exile in like 2019. And they had created um, an isometric RPG called Arcanum back in 2001 at the studio called Troika. And that's like a beloved steampunk RPG. So this is like the spiritual successor to this Arcanum game from 2001. And it's weird because... Okay, this is the full the full map for this. But what's interesting is like that strategy of pulling in these folks, these old time RPG people, to make some spiritual successor. It's very much the model that Obsidian took with uh, the Outer Worlds, where they brought in uh, Tim Kaine and Leonard uh, to make the Outer Worlds in the spirit of Fallout, a series they had also created back in the day. And what's weird is that Tim and Leonard went uh, after they worked on Fallout and then they founded Troika, the studio, which is then the studio that made Arcanum. So it's like Microsoft pulling these old RPG legends to be like, and hey. One, one had a secretary named Kennedy and the other had a secretary <laughs> it's, named Lincoln There's a lot. There's a lot insane. in there. Um, mm-hmm. But the weird thing too is like, oh, it's steampunk and looks like Bioshock Infinite. But then also the big premise is like, you're playing with time and it looks yeah. very Bioshock Infinite that way. Where like, the, I guess the idea is uh, on the xbox wire thing they say quote you'll use a wondrous device known as the chronometer to travel back in time choose how to influence the past and then return to the present to experience the effects of your decisions as you try and like overthrow lady ironwood in this city called avalon yeah that that's super cool and they they said kind of in response to the bioshock stuff they they reiterated that it's a full rpg system and that yeah. you create your character at the beginning of it too right is- right which is interesting. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm, go ahead. What's that, Jeff? I'm definitely looking. I'm definitely looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one where they said, quote, coming in due time. So this might be a while up there with Fable uh, for if they're not even feeling confident enough to put 2024 on the calendar. It's like, OK, that's that's alarming. But um, Kelsey, anything else you're dying to talk about that we haven't hit? Um, I really liked that. Was it Thirty Three Immortals? Yeah, that the Spiritfarer developers um, are doing. I, I mean, I the Thirty Three player co op in that looks like chaos, <laughs> and I don't know if that part's going to be good. But like, just I don't know. Seeing that art style with that combat was just really is really look. I was like, that looks that looks good. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Yeah, Thunder Lotus, the developer of Spiritfarer, one of our favorites from 2021, I think. Um, it was a really smart trailer because they're building it up. And we all in the reaction stream had the same question of like, wait, how many players is it? This is like a co-op thing. It just kept adding more and more. And it turns out it is a 33-player roguelite. Um, really. A, yeah, a specific number. What a weird. Yeah. They just, 34 breaks it, I guess. I don't know. That's what they discovered. Also, weird, Kyle, just carrying on our conversation from last week. 33 Immortals is the name of this game. Immortals is the name of the faction in the new Prince of Persia. Others dealing with Immortals of Avium is the other (laughs) game. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Immortals Phoenix Rising. Ubisoft is also making a sequel to that. Um, It is bizarre. There's another. Oh, there's another. um, Well, apparently Prince of Persia is actually the Immortals is like a Persian uh, faction. So that there is like historical relevancy there. No one else has an excuse. No. Absolutely not. Right. Oh, South of Midnight, they also talk about how uh, Shaken Bones, that big guy that's playing the guitar, he's an immortal figure called an Archon. So there's still kind of immortal <laughs> beings in that one as well. So it's the season of dual protagonists and immortals, everybody. Um, a ton of great stuff. I'm sure we missed a lot of stuff. Uh, shout out in the comments for everything that we missed. We'll be talking about even more on the next episode of the MinMax Show podcast. We'll get hands-on reports from what Sarah, Janet, and Leo actually played out there, all that fun stuff. And we'll try and mop up as much as possible 
if I am here, I should point out, uh, I might be tapping out for daddy duties because uh, I'll be going out on paternity leave. And I don't know when that's going to happen, but there's a good chance it'll happen very soon. Um, but hey, I think that's it. Everybody feeling good? Did we miss anything huge? I mean, we still I, missed a lot of announcements because there's just there were just so many. But yeah. um, I don't know, just strong, stronger than I expected this yes. year to be, I think. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I'm curious to hear from everybody that's out at Summer Game Fest what it was like out there for the mood. But, you know, Xbox really turned it around and then Ubisoft had some interesting stuff in there combined with some guys singing a song about Skull and Bones, which was the greatest presentation I've ever seen for Skull and Bones was just their song. We don't need the gameplay anymore. We know what that is. But guys (laughs) singing a pirate shanty, that ruled. Um, All right, if you want to see more from any of these games and the stuff we missed, um, because we definitely missed a lot, you can check out MinMax's reaction streams on our YouTube channel. Uh, Subscribe over there on our YouTube channel. It helps us in a big, bad way. Um, Jeff, um, do you know what else helps us in a big, bad way? No. I'll tell you. uh, Supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash MinMax with two ends. Support us at any tier. Find the tier that's right for you. Um, I want to shout out some people at the Game Champion tier who supported us at the $50 tier, because I don't know if I'll get another chance to do it this month. So shout out the champion of Tokyo Jungle, Michael Berry, the champion of uh, Sly Band, Sly Band, Sly 2, Band of Thieves is Procyon number six, the champion of Super Castlevania 4, Roger Reichart, uh, Suikoden 2, that's Takashi Kitano, Gotcha Force, Joshua Ayers, got, Gotcha Force. So I'm sorry, everybody. Um, Rob Bob Will chose to be the champion of King's Quest VI, Air Today, Gone Tomorrow. Excellent deep cut. Uh, Patrick Polk is the champion of Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, which is a diabolical choice. Uh, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, they're the champion of Descent. Zachary Pliggy is the champion of Superman 64, of course. Jawar Hello is the champion of Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. Clemens Zobel is the champion of Marvel's Midnight Suns. Another bold choice. I love it. Andrew Silva, still the champion of Dark Cloud. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us at that $50 tier, getting your name in the description for every MinMax video, and locking in once and for all. You're the champion of whatever the hell game you want, and then we'll have the big poll to determine what game we create bonus content about in the near future. All right, sweet. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for supporting MinMax. Thanks for making all this possible. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to that crew that's out at Summer Game Fest because that is something that very much so is only possible thanks to your support. But sweet. Kelsey, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'm going to do it right this time. You can uh, check out my <laughs> podcast. I've got a podcast with the Video Game History Foundation called Video Game History Hour. And it's uh, it's good if you like video game history. I love that. You had a recent episode about Minesweeper, which I love the tone of the episode. It's just like, well, it's Minesweeper, but this is why your podcast is so good. Because like, yeah, but we really don't know that much about the development of Minesweeper. And we really <laughs> should. And so it's fun just to have a, a little bit of a deep dive into a game that everybody thinks they know, but no one really knows the true history of be a whole book yeah hell yeah yeah we talked to uh the author of the boss fight book kyle orland um longtime video game journalist who who has unearthed that entire story which i think is such a cool choice yeah for sure uh kyle anything you want to plug uh kyle's book about minesweeper <laughs> this is kyle. this is how you plug this uh is... g- you know game informer stuff check out game Informer. What does that mean? If you if go to the website, watch, listen to the podcast, watch the YouTube channel. But if if they had to do one thing, I feel like just the general general Game Informer is doing. It. You got to be like, this is how you should support Game Informer is to do blank. Uh, we're selling individual issues right now for the first time, which is kind of fun. Okay, so you can go to GameStop 
com slash game informer and you can buy individual issues cool. like backstock not backstock oh but, okay uh, more recent issues yeah could you do back in the past? So that's cool. Yeah, sweet. Um, again, uh, sorry, we don't have time for community questions, but we're saving up for the big show anyway. So we'll get to that uh, on this Thursday's episode of the podcast. And we'll get we'll get the ads in there and they get a load of this and all that uh, fun stuff. But all right. Thanks so much, everybody, for sharing and supporting MinMax uh, stuff uh, throughout the Summer Game Fest season. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.